Now it's time to talk about Facebook and internet privacy. For that, we turn to Mika Sifri. He's co-founder and president of Civic Hall, which is devoted to the use of technology for the public good. He's written many books, including The Big Disconnect, Why the Internet Hasn't Transformed Politics Yet. And his work has appeared in the New York Times, the American Prospect, Wired, and The Nation, where he's been an editor. Mika, welcome to the program. Good to be here, John. As many as maybe 50 million Facebook users recently learned that their data had been swept up and that they may have unknowingly given away their own information and also their friends. We're told they did that by clicking on an app for a personality quiz, which got their info and then sold it to a political targeting firm called Cambridge Analytica, which ended up working for the Trump campaign in the 2016 elections. A lot of people were surprised to learn that Facebook gave their data to private companies that sold it for political purposes, but I don't think you were. Yeah, no, this is a problem that uh, a couple of us have been trying to warn people about now for years, ever since big social networking platforms like Facebook became the de facto playing field for, you know, politics online. And five, six years ago, when Barack Obama, uh, you know, won re-election, it was all the rage that, you know, look what a brilliant job they had done collecting people's data and using it to target them more effectively or using them using it to raise money more effectively or to spend advertising money more effectively. You know, this was the the, the moment of big data and campaigns considered to be the secret weapon that enabled Obama to beat Romney. The um, attorney generals of 37 states are asking Mark Zuckerberg, is our Facebook data safe and secure? And the FTC is mm-hmm. investigating Facebook mm-hmm. for what they call a misuse of data in what they call a, quote, data breach. Would you call this a data breach? Well... The word breach implies that, you know, somebody got in there in an unauthorized way and took the data. And so it's, you know, it makes it sound like data, that Facebook here was breached by some outside force. And that's not the right word, because, in fact, this was Facebook itself has been authorizing millions of app developers to build games and other kinds of interactives on their platform going back several years and doing very, very little to check to see whether those app developers were actually holding on to the data that they were, that they were then getting their hands on and using it appropriately. Mm-hmm. Now Facebook says they're going to go and investigate and, and, and check you know, forensically to see if that were the case. But it's already clear that you know, to anybody who's been following this closely – that you know, these barn doors have been open for a very long time. The only thing that Cambridge Analytica did that slightly different is that they didn't take, they didn't build the app themselves. They bought the data from an academic who had you know created this personality app. But as you know, I've pointed out in some of my writing, in 2012, the Obama campaign created an app called I'm In, and they invited their supporters to click on it and join, and about a million people voluntarily chose to do that. And the theory there was that then Obama's campaign would be able to give you personalized content 
that they would then encourage you to share with your friends. And this worked very well. They called it targeted sharing. It was a big factor in, in helping boost turnout and in moving messages, you know, in, in timely ways around the, whatever the, the message was that the campaign wanted to communicate. But the campaign itself, insiders who worked on this, have said that in the course of getting a million people to join in, they actually were able to harvest their word the information on 98% of all of Facebook's adult American users at the time. How is that possible that that, since since 98% of of Facebook users were not Obama supporters and didn't register didn't didn't become uh, uh followers of the Obama uh Facebook page? Because the when you when those first million people click and say I'm in they were authorizing access not just to their own personal information, but to the information of the people who were their friends. And that is a a design feature of Facebook. And so the knowledge, uh, and and so all those other people didn't give authorization. You know, this is like, it's the difference between you giving me your phone number and me giving someone else your phone number, okay, because I have it. As your friend, you, you know, you may trust me not to give away your phone number. Okay, we have sort of an implicit understanding, right? Like it's private. But in this case, Facebook treated that friend relationship as permission in the reverse direction, which is that it became okay if I said you can know everything that Facebook knows about me. That includes knowing who my friends are and what they've said about themselves on their Facebook profile pages. There is one difference between you giving people my phone number and what's happening at Facebook, which is Facebook's business model is that they will sell my information right. to make billions of dollars and make Mark Zuckerberg the third richest person in, what, the history of humanity or something. Yes, yes, this is, this is exactly right. And so we call this a platform monopoly, and we think it's gotten too big and too powerful, and it has not been properly overseen by government regulators. I mean, the fact that these attorney general, attorneys general and the FTC are acting now is good, but they've had the power to investigate for years, and they've been asleep at the switch. The FTC actually, back in 2011, in response to prior complaints about Facebook playing fast and loose with its users, private information, got Facebook to agree to a consent decree, which in theory now gives the FTC the power to go and enforce huge fines, $40,000 per violation. Wow. I mean, they could bankrupt the company or pay off the, the national debt. Take your, your pick. <laughs> um, and, and, and maybe they will impose some tough uh, measures. We doubt it. Uh, don't forget, this is a company with a lot of political power. They've done a lot over the years to ingratiate themselves with both, with, you know, the leadership of both political parties. Sheryl Sandberg, the number two at Facebook, who's been a little bit less visible in the current scandal, came out of the Clinton administration um, and is still deeply tied to power brokers in the Democratic Party. So we, you know, it's doubtful that there's going to be tough regulation here, but it is good that there's finally a big wake-up call happening. I noticed that you have a Facebook page. You are not quitting Facebook. Shouldn't we all quit Facebook? Wouldn't that teach them a lesson or something? The problem with a consumer boycott is that if every, literally, if every American user of Facebook quit tomorrow, uh, the company's total user base would only go down by 10%. Oh, man. 
So, you know, this, 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 I refer to this as Facebookistan. It's the <laughs> largest country in the world. It has 2.1 billion wow. members. Wow. So practically speaking, it's a little bit of a luxury to talk about quitting as if that's going to change their behavior, right? Like that is not the move if you think it's going to make them suddenly uh, behave better. Uh, the move is to use our power as citizens of the United States, not of Facebookistan, <laughs> where we have very few rights, to demand that the government and the powers that be enforce the law. And if the law isn't strong enough, that we strengthen the privacy laws. The Europeans are taking some steps in the right direction. I mean, they are asking these big platform companies to get the affirmative okay every time you are engaged with them that you are saying, yes, you can have my data, and yes, you can use it for the following purposes, and explain in clear English, not in eight-point type. I've said to people for a long time, and it is not just my uh, quote, but anytime you are using the Internet where you are not paying for the service, you need to understand that that's because you are the product being sold. And if you are comfortable with that trade-off, fine. But that if you're not, you either have to pay for things because they're valuable and you want to have some control, or you have to demand, like in the case of Facebook, that we get tougher government regulation so that these kinds of privacy scandals, it's not a breach, this is their business model, so that it, it's no longer possible. And if that means that breaking up the company is the only way to do it and Mark Zuckerberg uh, has to stop being the third richest man in the world, so be it. Is there a realistic possibility that we could break up Facebook? Yes, I think there is, for the same reason that uh, in past cycles we broke up AT&T and we broke up Microsoft. You know, there has been tough antitrust enforcement before. It's cyclical, and obviously we – and it isn't just Facebook, by the way. We may need to look at Amazon. We may need to look at Google because these are also big platform monopolies that are abusing their power, too, in, in ways – perhaps not as, as troubling as certainly the case we're talking about now. But I think the answer is yes, this is possible. Don't forget, it is still a competitive industry, and there are Facebook does have enemies who would also be interested in seeing it broken up because they have acted in ways that are deeply anti-competitive to new startups. What Facebook does now is it doesn't innovate, it buys its competition. And that's a serious question in and of itself. I would say for starters... The one thing we may see happen sooner rather than later is that regulators come in and say, you know what, Facebook, for the next five years, you don't get to buy any of your competition. You don't get to buy Instagram. You don't get to buy Snapchat. You, you know, these new things get to develop on their own. Citizens of Facebook, a stand unite. Mika Sifri <laughs> wrote about Internet privacy and public policy for The Nation this week. Thank you, Mika. Thanks, John. Great to talk with you. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. 
we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.